Hi, I'm Sarah. I have an awesome husband and three amazing stepdaughters. Marriage and parenting is already a juggling act, and blended family relationships are even more messy and fragile. We won't always get it right the first time, but if you're looking for encouragement, you're in the right place. Thanks for joining us as we grow closer as step families. Welcome back to His Kids, Her Kids, Episode 9, Moms and Stepmoms, From a Wedge to a Bridge, Part 2. Last episode, we heard from Stephanie McHenry as she shared the beginning of her journey becoming a blended family. Today, we are picking up right where we left off with Stephanie's epiphany that Anna, the stepmom, could be a bridge rather than a wedge. Stephanie, looking back on that transformational perspective change— and the process to bringing that vision into fruition, how much of that was in your court and how much was really up to Anna? Oh boy. It is 100% Anna and 100% me and 100% Aaron and 100% Hazel. It took everything each of us have and not a drop less. It was all of us. It takes a village to create a blended family, and no one person is responsible. If for no other reason, then you don't have that much power. No one is that powerful to control other people's desires and choices and behaviors. We might do our best to invite, to make space, but how do you trust it? How do you do it in a way that's relatable for how they want to engage or when they want to engage? A lot of this is a guessing game. What I know started to be helpful and tactics that ended up working were first just establishing that civility. And then it was, it was proving that we were in each other's corner. What I mean by that is it was one thing to sit in a living room and have coffee talk and be nice. A lot of folks can get there, thankfully. It's a good place to be, better than screaming matches and throwing things out windows. But it's very superficial. It's polite. And Hazel would have seen right through it. Anna made space for me. Whenever I would come over and pick her up, she would invite me in and we would connect as a co-family. She would say, hey, do you want to stay for dinner? And Hazel would see family meals with two households worth of family gathered around the table for her. Birthday parties we would do together so that Hazel got to blow out her candles surrounded by all the people who love her and want what's best for her even if we disagree on how best to do it. And Hazel could see that everyone was relaxed and just living their life and everything was totally normal. Nothing formal, not, you know, come sit on the couch and tell me about the weather and the condition of the roads. It was real. And that was impactful. She was incredibly welcoming. And if I had a territorial stepmother to work with, None of this would be possible. Do you feel like there was a specific turning point in the process? There were 
many turning points because there was no single turning point. None of this stuff happens overnight. Another thing that was hard that I needed to get over, you know, everyone has their divorce narrative. I have mine, Aaron has his, and everyone from the outside looking in has their narrative on what they think happened and who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. I learned very quickly, no one knows what it's like in that marriage except the people in it. And even further than that, no one knows what it was like for me being married to Aaron except me, not even Aaron. And no one knows what it was like for Aaron being married to me except Aaron. But knowing that she was coming into the picture, she would be hearing his narrative and seeing me through that lens, and that would make this really difficult barrier for she and I to be able to get along, or even more, like my dad's friend advised, make her my best friend. This is the woman who thinks all these horrible things about me because my ex-husband told her all those horrible things about me. I can remember when I first moved into my apartment, this tiny, miserable apartment that is still my favorite place I've ever lived after we divorced. But part of Aaron's narrative without, again, going into massive detail, was that he thought I didn't do the dishes enough. You know, benign things that lots of people argue about. It's never about the dishes. It's always about, you know, how much you trust each other and can meet each other's needs and see each other as valid and empathize where the other person's coming from. But a lot of our fights were about dishes. And I remember Anna coming over to my apartment for the first time to pick up Hazel with Aaron. She didn't say anything, but I perceive the story I told myself was that she had this tension and this alertness walking around my apartment, taking note of, were there dishes in the sink? Was there laundry on the floor? And I could feel the inspecting eyes, you know, falling all over my apartment judgmentally, right? That's the story you tell yourself. Probably true, but still just a story I was telling myself. I thought, I'm supposed to make her my best friend. She's still, you know, she's hearing from Aaron all these half-truths. Of course, I left the dishes in the sink sometimes, but it wasn't all the time. I'm not a freaking hoarder. You know, come on. Like, how am I going to overcome that if she sees me as the bad guy? How am I going to reach someone who could be totally committed to misunderstanding who I am? How do I get on the same team with her in such a way that we trust each other to do what's best for Hazel? There were a lot of moments that made it hard. It wasn't a linear trajectory of improving. You know, not only was it not an overnight transformation, it oscillated between good and bad, but it had a general increase towards positivity over time. I used to say the spikes got less spiky and things smoothed out bit by bit. I remember she was pregnant and about to give birth with her first kid. And man, I love babies. And I was also, I was so excited for them and excited for Hazel to be a big sister, but also just so much pain because 
again, that was the life I wanted. I wanted more than one kid. And there she was. She got Hazel, this glorious human who I made. And now she gets to have multiple children. And I don't. And it took much longer to get remarried. I'm still not remarried. I I thought I was going to be able to have that opportunity. And now it's less and less likely. So I am watching all this and I'm happy for her, but also so jealous and sad, feeling like I don't have any control over my life. My family is in California. I am here alone. I followed him here and now I'm stuck. If I want Hazel to have both her parents, I need to stay here and bloom where you're planted. And I need to genuinely be okay with that or she's going to know. And she's not going to be able to grow and be okay. And then in terms of milestones, it wasn't big moments. It was little moments all added up together saying, yep, I've got your back. Yep, you want to do it that way. That's okay. You know, people say pick your battles. Yeah. Because you can't fight everything and you're not supposed to. It takes just as much compromise and doing that dance in a blended family as it does in a marriage that's healthy. This is human stuff that's inevitable where you have compromises. But I remember being very committed to saying, basically, anything Anna wants, I'm going to decide I'm okay with. Because I generally trust her instincts. She's well-intentioned. I'm just as likely to screw up as she is in terms of parenting. And if I just embrace that, then she is going to know that I'm an ally, not a threat. And I can earn that trust from her. And the more she sees me as an ally and not a threat, the easier my co-parenting relationship is going to be with Aaron. Because if that's good, he's going to say, well, I'm going to follow suit with the women and and everything will be okay. So that thinking drove me, but I didn't realize how profound that feeling was going to become. How once I knew we were both moms and I was trying to prove I was in her corner, the more I got to see and be grateful for her instincts, her choices, the way that she approached our family, the way that she filled in gaps that I didn't know we had in our family, like systems and communication practices that were helpful. And she organized us between Aaron and I, and she excelled at that. We sort of had this individualism approach to family management where what each person was good at, we would lean on each other for that. Anna was amazing at creating frameworks to make our family work from Google calendars and family conferences and, you know, making sure everything's recorded here because so-and-so is forgetful or everything is in agreement here because that's going to create, you know, confusion and wrath later if we don't do it that way. When I saw her unique talents and the way that she magnified the good in our family and mitigated pain in our family, I wasn't just trying to make her my friend. I genuinely appreciated her and appreciated the relief 
of not fighting with my ex-husband's wife or fighting through her, but knowing that she is the best asset in this family to bring us together. And sometime later, it continued to evolve where not only had she embraced her role with my kid, but it got so loving and so comfortable and so equal between us that I remember another big turning point was when it was Mother's Day and Hazel and I made a Mother's Day card for Anna. And I realized later that she had already made a card for Anna. This was already ingrained in Hazel's psyche that she has two mothers to honor on that day. And I needed to catch up to where our family was at, what it was for her. And sometime later, I turned to her and we were talking. I said, you know, she's really, it's almost degrading calling her your stepmother at this point. She's really just your other mother. And she's like, yeah, it's silly calling her a stepmom. She's just my other mom. You're my mom, but she's my other mom. And I'm like, you know who would like to hear that? And she's like, my other mom. Called her up, told her, and I could hear Anna start to cry as she was getting off the phone. And um, countless moments like that, Sarah, over time where we were realizing how much we had to overcome in terms of narrative and bias and the lens through which we see each other and our own fears and again and again, asserting that we can trust each other, that we have the same goals, that we love the same people. I remember not only hitting those milestones with Hazel, but hitting those milestones with her kids. There's a lot of equity here where, you know, you keep in mind, I have, it might not sound like it when I'm crying every five seconds, but I have genuinely become okay with the possibility that I will just get Hazel in my lifetime. There will be no other children because I don't need multiple children to be fulfilled. I can be completely fulfilled as Hazel's mother. She's glorious and it's a privilege to get to just hang out with her and watch her bloom. Doesn't mean I don't miss what could have been. And they know that we've talked about it openly and the way that she has laid the red carpet for me in her household in general, but particularly with her kids, she is not territorial in any way. She said, look, you rolled out the red carpet for me. I'm going to roll out the red carpet for you with my kids. And now when I arrive, they yell, Stephanie, and they jump over the couch and they run over to hug me and jump in my arms and let me show you my room and let's play this game and catch me and and I remember a big moment for me, I think Nelson, their first kid, the one I was so jealous of, right? Here I go again with the emotions. My face is going to leak. Um, he said, can I tell you something? And I said, yep, anything, kiddo. What you got? And he whispered in my ear, I love you. 
I said, I love you too, kiddo. I love you like my own kid. And it wasn't fake it till you make it anymore. Any of it. It was just love and gratitude and all my frailties and biases and fears which were so hard to get rid of because you can't just sweep it out. It takes intangible work constantly. Our desires won. We had hope and a fervent, unrelenting desire to overcome the mistrust, to question the narrative, to empathize with the validity and good intent of each other, and unite in our love for our children. And today, Anna is easily one of my best friends. This wedge of a woman, this powerful, resilient, compassionate woman who stepped into a very awkward, ambiguous situation and said, I love this man. I see all that he is and I accept it. I embrace it. And I embrace the complexity and ambiguity of navigating a co-parenting family and chose hope again and again. Somehow, in all that time, I remembered who Aaron is, that man I married, without any desire to be married to him again, but to be able to just see that man, to see all the good and the humor and the validity and genuinely be able to enjoy just being friends and laughing about all the good, fun things that are happening in our children's lives, all the triumphs together. I remember when he proposed, he said, Stephanie, I cannot promise that our life won't have sorrow, but I can promise that we can soften the sorrows and magnify the joys if we do it together. Like I said, our divorce was awful. And you never know who you're married to in their entirety until you divorce them. That goes for me and Aaron, both of us. But he was right. When we're united in a common purpose, with Anna in that common purpose as the bridge between us, the joys are magnified. The sorrows are softened. And we can laugh in the dark. And Hazel, that kid, who's now 12 and a half going on 40, besides being incredibly self-aware, driven, talented, creative, all the things, this Renaissance woman, she is completely secure in herself and in her family. All growing up, when her friends' families started going through divorce, she became the oracle, the 
schoolyard guru of divorce. And they would go to her and say, my parents are going through a divorce. It's sad. I don't know what to do. And Hazel with composure and wisdom, like a, like a mythical sage would say, I love divorce. Divorce is great. I have all these people who I love, who love me. And if I didn't have divorce, I wouldn't have all these people. Security, like I said before, comes from knowing, just deep in your bones, that love and safety is consistently available. To get here, I needed to get over the fact that I am not the only one who needs to give that to her. In fact, I can't give it all to her. She is only with me half the time, and frankly, even if we were still married happily, there's always other influences in her life that could threaten her sense of love and safety always being available. It is a net gain at a minimum, that she has so many people in this family who love her and are available to her consistently, cheering her on in her corner. I remember the day Hazel got into this performing arts school that she desperately wanted to get into. And man, by the way, that kid, she knows how to work. She spent two years planning ahead, taking classes, And knew that her family was going to be there to sign her out, to pick her up and drop her off, to support her, to hook her up with YouTube videos and costumes and whatever she needed to try hard at something. The day she got in, it was me and Anna with her opening the envelope. And when she said, I got in, I got in, we all start jumping and squealing and hugging together because we knew it was the whole clan in her corner making these good things happen for her. That was one of the best moments of my life, Sarah. I remember the video you posted on social media that day. Oh, the energy. It was just palpable. All right. Tell us a little bit more about that. Who was doing what as Hazel opened her acceptance letter? I was holding the camera. Anna was also holding the camera because, you know, got to have backup with tech support and can't miss this moment. You know, Aaron is there, but he's not the focal point of my life. Hazel is the fulcrum that makes everything stay balanced. We all rally around her. And frankly, we rally around Nelson and Alma, Aaron and Anna's kids. And these moments that we all get to share together, we genuinely celebrate each other's victories. I am limited. I can't give her everything that she needs especially with this kid. She is so interested and driven in so many things. I can't be everything she needs to enable her. Anna has her own unique skills and abilities that help magnify Hazel's efforts as she pursues her dreams and develops into who she is in the world. Aaron as well. And I just didn't realize that I I needed to recognize I was limited to give her more. I thought that was an oxymoron. It's not. 
I just needed to embrace the team. I needed to be a better team player so that maybe I didn't get all the bats that I wanted, but we won more games as a team. For all the sports nuts out there, that's like the best strategy that happened in the 70s and 80s with baseball and basketball. Like you put your lineup together based on who's going to help you win games, not necessarily who individually is going to have the most success and the most glory. I wanted the glory. I wanted to be this grade A phenomenal mother. You know, there's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot that's amazing about our family. And there is so much that we had to sacrifice to get here. All those battles we didn't fight, all the validation that we didn't get. We had to show up ready to grow. We had to show up ready to do our own personal cleanup in order to clear the path for Hazel. We couldn't leave our issues laying in her path as obstacles to overcome. We had to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and do the darn good work properly. That meant looking at all the fears I had for Anna, for Aaron, and for Hazel, and really clean up my crap. Some of the things I had to sacrifice was my desire for control. I thought I could control who Hazel would end up and protect her, give her all the good, protect her from all the threats, equip her for everything. If I could just avoid too many outside influences, if I could just make me the center of her world, I could make sure everything was crafted and molded just right. And that was another influence in why I was so prejudiced against Anna and Aaron for so long. It was because of my own desire for control, to protect her in the ways that I couldn't be protected as a kid and in the ways that I couldn't be protected in that marriage. It was folly. It was a mistake. Not only to think that I could have that much control or that I was that powerful, but to think that I could do that much good on my own. We can do so much more together. And I know that now. There were so many milestones. I mean, another example was she is so welcoming with me, with her children, that equity of inclusivity as mothers together. We even today, like I, I babysit the kids now and then, either at their house or they even come over to my house now. We schedule playdates. They know that when they come over, I always have... Nelson and Alma's favorite milk in the fridge and their sippy cups. And I get to play a role in some capacity as Hazel's mom and their friend. That joy is incredible, but also the joy of knowing that I get to be some sort of influence in those kids' lives. I can't tell you how cathartic that is for me to love her children the way that she loves my kid that we have that in common. And when I look at that little boy, remember that little 
that kid I was so jealous of Anna for having, thinking that was going to be my kid. I was going to have two more kids. And, and she's having them. He looks just like Aaron. And when I see that little boy, I see him, but I also see the most innocent, pure part of the man I married. And loving him is like forgiving Aaron. And none of that is possible without Anna's welcome mat. The way that she let me in, the way I so fiercely and abrasively insisted that she let me in as well. And that equity, that reciprocity is a milestone, is a a symptom that this isn't just for Hazel, this is for all of us. And that's another piece that I think is probably really important that it starts off where the kid is the common motivation and that's what seals everyone together. But at some point you get so grateful that everyone loves your kids so much. You even love each other and want to fight for each other and believe in each other. I'll also say this. It's easy to look at us and say, wow, that's the dream. That is what all of us want, that blended harmonious family where everyone loves each other and cheers each other on. I mean, it's just so sweet. It's going to give me a cavity. It's just not possible, right? It's all unicorns and rainbows. It is at once both miraculous, and I don't take it for granted. And it is just as nuanced and dynamic and tricky as any divorced or non-divorced family. That's the thing is that, yes, we went from divided and toxic to blended and healthy. But what is healthy? What is blended? Healthy for us is just, do we all feel safe to talk things through when things get hard? Not that things won't get hard or toes won't get stepped on or fears won't get triggered. Trauma won't get triggered but that we have enough trust in each other's good intentions that we know we can navigate that together. Because there really isn't such a word as a blended family. It's more aspirational. Blended is almost like disappearing. Blended feels like everyone has sacrificed who they are for the good of the kids and everyone's disappeared in this blend. No, we're all fully complicated, nuanced, frail individuals and somehow only healthy because we've embraced that. And where we're different, we finally understand that different is okay. All those lessons that we tried to learn in our marriages before they all ended, that different is okay. It takes 100%, 100%, not 50-50 to make a marriage work, that different perspectives are valid, like all those lessons that somehow Aaron and I couldn't really learn in marriage. With Anna as a bridge and our focus on Hazel, we finally got to learn in divorce what we couldn't learn in marriage. And that, at the end of the day, 
is how you blend a family. Oh my goodness, Stephanie. Thank you so much for sharing your story and so much of yourself. It's been so good for me. You know, you're always present with your own thoughts and your own feelings. And, uh, you know, you're talking about feeling jealous of Anna for having a baby and how you didn't feel like you had any control over your own life. And I'm just thinking, that's how I feel. That's the step-parent line. But to think that my husband could be feeling that way, what my stepchildren must be feeling and what their mom must be feeling, it just really opens my heart so much. So folks, until next time, keep growing and take good care.